Welcome to Hack to Start, a podcast focused on interesting people and the innovative ways they achieve success. I'm Franco Variano. And I'm Tyler Copeland. Each week we speak with a new guest about how they created, hacked, and hustled their way to the top and distill their insights and experiences for you. The path to success isn't always linear. Hack, start, and repeat. This episode is brought to you by Breather. Find beautiful, practical spaces that you can reserve on the go. Ghost, a simple, powerful publishing platform that allows you to share your story with the world. And SoundCloud. Hear the world sounds. You're listening to episode 70 of Hack to Start. This episode features Kyle Bratz, the co-founder and CEO of HealthWave. Tyler and I want to invite Kyle onto the show to share his amazing story as an entrepreneur, leader, and philanthropist. In 2008, while in school and dealing with the diagnosis of a close family member, Kyle launched the Typically Canadian Group, a nonprofit dedicated to inspiring Canadians who battle cancer. He and some friends built a charity from the ground up and cycled across Canada, raising $150,000 in the process. Years later, Kyle is still giving back and trying to help people improve their lives with his most recent startup, HealthWave, which just closed $2 million in funding. This is an amazing episode you won't want to miss, so let's get to it. Hey, Kyle. Thanks for being on the show today. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, man. We've been uh, super excited to have you uh, on the show for a while now, all the cool stuff that you guys got going on. Um, and, and obviously, in the past couple of weeks, you guys closed a huge, uh, a huge round. So, um, you know, congratulations, and, and we look forward to hearing more about that. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah. So let's start off by getting to know a bit more about you. Uh, where are you from? What did you study? And how did your passion for tech and entrepreneurship really develop? Originally from London, Ontario, Actually, throughout, throughout high school, and I actually wanted to be a firefighter. I played hockey all, all through life, and I wanted to be a firefighter just like my dad. And he actually convinced me to go to uh, the University of Ottawa and the Telfer School of Management. So I studied uh, marketing there. Didn't really know what I wanted to do at all, actually. I wasn't sure if I was going to go back and actually you know, go back to firefighter college. But one, I guess one life event happened that kind of changed everything for me, which was someone close to me actually uh, diagnosed with cancer. And when that happened, I, d- I decided I wanted to do something to honor their lives. And what came out of that was really um, what we call the Typically Canadian Group, but it was a not-for-profit that would honor inspiring Canadians that battle cancer. And so we actually built this not-for-profit like a business, except obviously the profits went to uh, the Canadian Cancer Society. But in doing that, it really uh, inspired me and, and helped me realize what I wanted to do. I loved building it from the ground up. I loved creating the brand, the actual organization, and then rallying people behind it. It's an awesome story, and and I, I want to know a little bit more. So you actually rode like right across the country, and you raised one hundred and fifty thousand dollars in the process. And and you just mentioned a little bit, you know, you loved building it from the ground up. But what was the entire experience like? Like, what was going through your mind as you were riding? Um, you know, at the end of the process, when you guys had had raised all the money, what were some of the major lessons or 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 um, you know thoughts that came out of this experience? It actually really started like like any startup. Um, when this individual, after they passed, um, I was sitting in a hot tub with with three of my university buddies, and I think we were sipping on a few cocktails. and And I threw out there, you know, I really want to do something uh, in their honor. And I said, why don't we Why don't we cycle across Canada? And you know, we're talking a bunch of dudes that actually hadn't been on a bike since grade school, but 
you know, what I learned quickly after, you know, after that day I got on, on Google and started searching around cycling across Canada and I realized it actually wasn't that big a deal. And in order to really make an impact, we needed to build something a little bit bigger than just a cycle across Canada. And we could use the cycle across Canada as a, a means to get our message across, but that wasn't really what was going to inspire people. That wasn't really going to be what would get people to donate. So we, we came up with a concept called Typically Canadian, which basically a typical Canadian is not defined by age, culture, background, or interests. A typical Canadian is defined by courage, willpower, determination when faced with adversity, such as cancer. And what we did is we actually aligned, you know, going back to firefighters and my dad, we actually aligned with firefighters across Canada as our way to rally each community. So the firefighters, uh, many people don't know, but they're actually more susceptible to cancer in the workplace. And there's, there's a lot of legislation that's been passed that protects them. So if a, if a firefighter dies uh, from cancer, they're, you know, they're compensated for uh, you know, line, of, line of duty uh, death. And their families are taken care of uh, as if they had died in a fire um, because cancer is so prevalent within the, the firefighter profession. And so we aligned with, with firefighters across Canada and what we did is we'd honor one inspiring Canadian in each one of our stops. And a lot of times when you, when you think about people and charity, it's let's really get into the battle that this person went through. Let's talk about, you know, the, the rounds of chemotherapy they had and everything like that. Where we took a different approach, it didn't matter if you had, you know, local or, or national prominence. We wanted to just talk about the story of how you inspired people's lives. Because, you know, the individual close to me, they were actually at one point the premier of Newfoundland. They had, you know, a really big resume, but to me, it was just, you know, my, my grandfather, um, and he was just a, a regular old Canadian. So when we, when we stopped at every stop, we would tell these inspiring stories, not about how they battled or what they went through because they were all fighters, but the impact they had on their brothers, their sisters, their mothers, their, you know, their children. We talked about those stories and it was really, it was really impactful. That's an amazing story. So while in university, you helped launch your first startup, NetGen, a digital agency and idea incubator, which later spawned out a couple other companies. So why did you decide to initially launch NetGen? Uh, you know, it's a, it's a good question. It actually relates back to Typically Canadian. In fact, is when we, when we built Typically Canadian, I ended up looking for a web developer and company to actually brand and develop all of our collateral and build the website so that we'd have a presence uh, across Canada. Um, and the individual that I ended up going with, Brad Diamond, who's my, my co-founder now, so still to this day, you know, we worked really uh, well together. Um, and he saw how hard I worked and I saw how brilliant he was and, and, and the work that he could provide. And so when we were all said and done, he said, you know, if you ever want to do something, just let me know. And so that just got my mind thinking. We said, okay, well, you know how to build websites. I I can probably sell websites, so let's just start there. So we just started doing that. Basically, NetGen was a kind of a web design consultancy. But one of the problems was that we were never really satisfied. We knew we didn't want to build websites for the rest of our lives, so we were always looking for, for other opportunities. So as your first startup, what were some of the major lessons that you learned? A couple of the major lessons that we learned was keeping yourself away from distractions. So, you know, I talked about NetGen and, and um, never really being satisfied. Well, what happened was we were, all, we were always trying these other ideas. So we built, you know, a, a digital telephony company for businesses while we we're at NetGen and, and building websites for companies. Then we started a, a direct selling platform. So, you know, a platform that, you know, Avon reps could use and, and sell products via an iPad. And we kept doing these things, but we weren't uh, completely committed to them. 
you'd see a good idea and you'd want to go after it rather than really uh, knowing it was something that you, you wanted to do for the rest of your lives. Out of NetGen came Simple Story Videos, which eventually we, we realized was something we needed to focus full time on because of the success we were seeing with it. But the same thing kind of happened with Simple Story Videos, where we, we took it to a point that it, it was very successful. We, we built it to a, a seven-figure company uh, relatively quick. But at the end of the day, we realized, look, we don't really want to build videos the rest of our lives either. We want to do something impactful. And, and that's where kind of HealthWave came out of, of everything was, what could we see ourselves doing for the rest of our lives? Uh, we were really passionate about healthcare and specifically a, a new approach to healthcare. You know, not a symptom-based approach where a doctor sees a patient, says, hey, you have a symptom, take a pharmaceutical, but a more personalized approach that says, hey, you're a human being, you may be sick, but there's a lot of underlying causes that that, that could be from. It could be from nutrition, it could be from the stress you're under, um, and you may need a pharmaceutical, but there may be other things that you need to consider as well uh, to get better, and then that's where HealthWave came from. So I think, you know, to, to go back to the original question, really uh, eliminate distractions and stay focused on something that you're really passionate about is, is extremely important. Because if you're, if you're doing everything kind of half-ass, you know, nothing will come at it. You have to be, you have to be all in. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so speaking about HealthWave, that's a really good transition. Is, is now you're the CEO of HealthWave. You talked a little bit about uh, some of the ideology or, or what motivated you guys to build HealthWave. But, but what is it as a platform? How did you guys identify that that was what you were really passionate about after a series of, of a few projects that you know, might have made some money, but you know, your heart wasn't really in it? HealthWave is the best way to uh, prescribe and sell uh, nutraceutical supplements. So practitioners, specifically in, in the healthcare market today, practitioners are uh, using uh, supplements and vitamins and food-based products to help uh, complement care and to help treat uh, care. But there's many challenges with the, with the industry. I don't know if you've seen you know, the New York Attorney General and some of the stuff that he found on, on supplements and nutraceuticals and the fact that the labels didn't match. And you see uh, the Oregon Attorney General who is now you know, prosecuting GNC for having steroids in their product. So one of the challenges in, in the industry as a whole is you know, these products work. You know, focused nutrition work, but the products have to be what they say they are. So the, you know, the label claims and the quality of the product has to be there as well. You know, the raw materials that are used, the manufacturing process and everything like that. And so many people don't know that there's actually a professional grade market, a market in an industry that's only sold through practitioners because it's not a hugely regulated market, it's almost a self-regulated market that is validated and, and used by practitioners. So our software allows practitioners to easily uh, prescribe and recommend these products and send those prescriptions directly to a patient so they can fill, uh, you know, fill their prescription and have the products drop shipped directly to their door. And then we help manage adherence around all of that. Cool, that's awesome. And and how did you guys come across, you know, the opportunity or the or the industry, the niche to 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 build Healthwave with within? That's a great question. I mean, Brad, my co-founder, his wife is actually a naturopathic doctor. So if you look at the practitioner base that that generally uses Healthwave, it's anyone from naturopathic doctors to integrative medical doctors to chiropractors to osteopaths, to nurse practitioners, a wide wide range of practitioners, but the naturopathic doctor industry is obviously a great market for us. And Alana, who was a recent grad, was, was speaking about some of the challenges that she was faced with uh, when starting a practice. And Brad and I were already looking for, for different ideas and opportunities that we wanted to go after next. 
And so one of her biggest challenges was within this industry, these practitioners have to carry inventory. They have to buy the products that they want to regularly recommend. And we're talking, you know, we have over 20,000 SKUs. And so how can a practitioner worry about the care they're, they're providing to a patient when they have to worry about managing all these SKUs and, and recommending these products that may be even limited to by what they have on their shelf? So we really started out by solving her problem and, and evolving it from there. That's awesome. That, that's a really that's really cool. I like how you guys you know started with one specific person and then slowly added you know com- complexity and features to to help you know service the industry and and more naturopathic doctors. Yeah, I think I think that's actually really the evolution of this this company. Like we didn't know enough about this industry yet. We knew we we had I think a good grasp on the integrative care market. But we really let the product evolve. I mean, when we first started, we were basically just a, a Shopify for practitioners with the, the back-end distribution built and really quickly realized that adherence rates were really, were really low. So what I mean by that is a, a practitioner would tell a patient, hey, go buy these three products. So then it was on the patient to go find the products and, and, and check out. And so adherence was you know, close to 14%, so really low. And then so we said, okay, that doesn't work. So we actually rebuilt the software from the ground up and launched the actual tool to create protocols and send them to the patient so that they didn't have to go look for the products. They'd have all of the products they need to take, all of the dosage instructions you know, delivered directly to their phone so they could just check out without uh, any ease. So we removed all that friction and adherence rates you know, went up to about 70%. From there, we said, okay, that's still not good enough because you think about the adherence rates when a practitioner is in the office with a patient and they can hand them the products. How could we recreate that? And that's where we launched uh, HealthWave's point of sale, which uh, allows the practitioner to recommend the products, check the patient out before they leave with their admin staff, and then the products are drop shipped from there and adherence rates are, are almost 100% with, with that tool there. So, you know, there, there's a big evolution. And, and for us, we really recognize, you know, I think this is an interesting company too because we didn't start with like a really clear vision or mission. You know, everyone's like, have this real, you know, important problem you're trying to solve. We didn't know what it was going to be. We had to take the time to really learn about the industry. But as we dove in and, and, and understood, you know, conventional medicine and a more integrative approach to medicine, we, we just became um, obsessed and, and really realized and learned where we wanted to take this thing. Yeah, it's awesome. So the HealthWave team is actually split between the U.S. and Ottawa. How do you guys stay on the same page? The two office thing, just starting there, because I think that's a that's a spot that we're tr- still trying to solve. I don't think it's easy ever when you have um, a group in Ottawa, a group in U.S., especially a company our size. Um, it presents a lot of challenges, you know, specifically just communication. You know, we're running a million miles an hour every single day, and then you know, there's responsibility to um, keep everyone at, you know, in, our, in our Tempe office up to date is challenging because we're making you know, split-second decisions. Do we have to call everyone up at Tempe and tell them what we're doing um, just to keep them up to date with it? So you know, that's been a challenge. I think it comes down to um, strong leaders and, and you know, good communication and just also trusting um, the leaders you have within your organization to, to do what they're responsible to do. I actually don't need to know every single thing that the Tempe office is doing at any single moment because we have great leaders there who are making great decisions based on their goals and, and what they're, they're tasked at doing. And as long as you know, I can be brought up to date or, or, or they use me to help them when, when necessary, that's really all that matters. 
So it started off, I think, a lot more challenging. I think the other challenge, so communication is one, just staying up to date with what's going on, but also just culturally. Like again, we're a small company. We're, we're only around 30 people or so. So you know, having two offices already, it does make a challenge culturally as well because we have a, a culture we've built here in Ottawa where most of the team is. And building a new office and having new teammates in the U.S., it's hard to make everyone feel like they're a part of you know, the, the health wave culture or the Ottawa culture. Or you know, some of the team here doesn't know some of the team there. And, and a small company, you, know, you hate that. But again, you, we bring the team up once every quarter. Um, we do a lot of social events here together. And, and there's amazing tools like Slack that we use that, that keeps everyone connected. Oh, that's great. Having to bring them up must just really, you know, get them passionate about Healthwave and the culture that you guys have established here in, in Ottawa. Yeah, it, it does. Like, I mean, when you, there's, there's a cost to it, obviously, but the mm-hmm. cost is outweighed by the return you get when, when everyone gets on the same page, when the, the, the adrenaline or, or just the feeling of being a part of something bigger, it really gets people going. And I, I think the cost is definitely outweighed by the return we get from that. Yeah, 100%. So you recently were able to raise $2 million for HealthWave. What was the process like for you? And are there any tips or insights to share with others on entrepreneurs? My process was interesting. We, um, I think it was December 2013. HealthWave has always, you know, from the, from the moment we started, we were in revenue, you know, growing anywhere between 15 and 20% month over month. We had a lot of up. One of the challenges, I think I mentioned, like we're starting a company to solve a small problem and not really having figured out the mission, vision of really what you're trying to build yet, it actually poses some challenges as well. We first limited ourselves in a very small niche. And so when it was time to go raise money, you know, we thought we had everything. We thought we had all the metrics, we had the business, pro- we had the business, but we still didn't have that mission, vision that we all believed in and were passionate about. And I went down to uh, California, I actually moved down there uh, in order to raise money in, in December 2013. You know, also plan on starting an office there because of our, our connection with our, our user base, you know, on the West Coast where integrative medicine is really strong. And quickly realized uh, two things. One, that we just weren't ready to raise. We hadn't figured out a lot of the things that we needed to figure out internally uh, around where we were going with this and what we really wanted to build. And two, you can't you can't run a business and fundraise at the same time. You know, trying to do both took away from the process of fundraising, which is a full time job. And so when I went down there, I I, I failed. Uh, I failed miserably. Um, we ended up letting half our team go. We weren't a big team, but you know, went from ten people to five people, and it was one of the hardest times of my life. I mean, you know, I remember coming home one day and really realizing that I wasn't going to accomplish what I'd set out to accomplish. And, and I just started crying and my wife, you know, came in and and talked to me about it. And I just, I'd hit rock bottom, but it also was, you know, at that point was the best thing that ever happened to me because it allowed me to refocus attention on building the business with a small team who had been there from the start and were ready to really get us to where we wanted to go. And it took a full, you know, six or seven months you know, near the end of 2014, we were ready. We had that mission. We had that vision. Everything was was going the way that it needed to go. And, and we went back on the fundraising trail. And really within that time period, it was great because I'd also built a great network. And sometimes when you look at a process, it's about the network you have and, and meeting as many 
people you can back if I back up the fundraising it is a process it's not it's not you know spray and pray and hope for the best but I think with us we got really lucky in on this round where early on in the process when I was just kind of circulating the fact that I was I was interested I was introduced to a fellow healthcare entrepreneur who who told me about a, a, a gentleman that he'd met that was really interested in the nutraceutical market. He had a thesis around investment. He was looking for opportunities. The other, another piece of advice is, you know, trust your gut on some things. So, you know, when he made that introduction, I got on the phone with, uh, with this individual. His name is Tim. And Tim's background is he actually was the CEO of Prime, uh, which is a pharmaceutical benefits management company that he built from zero to $3 billion in revenue over a six-year period as a CEO. And when he left there, he uh, he started uh, Quad Med, and he's a C or he was a CEO of Quad Med, which put in um, on-site clinics into uh, you know into employer work sites. So, for example, if if Google or Microsoft had a has a clinic within their campus, uh, Quad Med was was the company's you know put or company putting these these clinics into these work sites, and he built that up to uh, you know 120 clinics. Over a small time period as well, and when he when he left that and exited that, he was looking for something in the in the nutraceutical world. He'd had a, you know different similar life exper- life experiences that kind of geared him towards a more integrative approach as well. And so when I got on the phone with him for the first time, you could just tell there was there was a synergy. You know, we talked about getting together, and I just kind of threw it there. You know, he was in Arizona, I was I was in California. I said, well, you know, I'm going to be in Arizona next week, and I I actually wasn't. But I really wanted to meet him because I, I knew there was an opportunity. He said, oh, "Okay, perfect. Come on by the house." So it was just literally that for us raising the money, we got really lucky. We got introduced to to Tim and his group really quickly. And you know, from the time we met them to the investment was uh, two months. And they also, you know, Tim and his uh, his VP of business development at uh, QuadMed also joined our team. As as executives within the company, so you know, within two months of that of that time period, you know, we ha- we had key hires that we were looking for, and we had a, a two million dollar investment, which was which was incredible. So I think you know, my story there was a, a lot more unlikely compared to what other people go through, and you know, when I say the process should be a lot more uh, focused, where you mm-hmm. have you know you have a set target of the people you're looking for, and you know, there's a a really strong process. Actually, Nikolai from Open Care, you know, or a friend of mine, his process is so rigid and so strong, and and that's really what you need. So I'm probably not even the best one to talk to you about the process that I went through, just because it was so unique. So what could we expect next for Healthwave? The end goal for us is we actually want to create a new standard of care in medicine, and and it's obviously a, a huge undertaking, but. The reality is that there's a lot of evidence out there right now that supports the use of nutraceuticals, and we want to create that as part of the standard of care. So if you think about, um, there's a Frost and Sullivan report that came out uh, a little while ago that says anyone over 55 years old who has coronary heart disease, if they take uh, omega-3, B folic, B12, and B6, we can save a net $1.25 billion a year in healthcare costs in the U.S., that includes the purchase of these of these nutraceuticals. There's every time a pharmaceutical is prescribed, it creates nutrient deficiencies in our bodies, 
and those nutrient deficiencies can be combated with nutraceuticals. So our goal and our end game is to actually build the standard of care. So when a practitioner prescribes a pharmaceutical, you know, we can connect those nutrient deficiencies and power e-prescriptions uh, for the nutraceuticals that need to be prescribed. Um, when someone has coronary heart disease, we can connect that coronary heart disease to the nutraceuticals that patients provide and really support the physician with, with decision support. Uh, so that means being built into electronic health records and really expanding uh, our, our platform from not only a software product that practitioners can use, but really an API that can be built into any interface. So we can power e-prescriptions and, and really change the standard of care. That's going to take a long time. It's not going to be overnight. There's still a lot of uh, a lot of skepticism in different areas, and some warranted, some not. A lot of it has to do with with how broad the industry is is painted. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you talk about some people are like, well, you know, supplements are dangerous. Um, they cause thirty thousand um, hospital visits in in 2015. Well, the, the fact about those are those are, you know, fat-burning supplements, you know, energy uh, supplements, not the ones that practitioners are prescribing to uh, help support cardiovascular disease. They're not the ones that they're prescribing for, you know, nutrient deficiencies. So that, that wide painted brush uh, of this industry is, is somewhat detrimental when you're trying to, to create a standard of care, but the evidence... Uh, is is overwhelmingly overwhelmingly coming around, and the results that that our practitioners see, you know, is is. Well, that's cool. I'm really excited to see where you guys go to in the next year or two. It's uh, it's exciting times. Yeah, appreciate it. So, do you have any recommendations of great apps or content that you've come across lately? The apps that I spend the most time on uh, is actually either. Uh, the podcast app on in Apple, which everyone already has, um, or TSN and the Score. So I have I have an, I, that's my like my own. It's either I'm listening to a podcast or I'm on some sort of a, a, a sports app, uh, catching up with the Montreal Canadiens. <laughs> nice, <laughs> that's awesome. So so Canadian. <laughs> so I think a central theme uh, in the episode is is you know you giving back and helping others. Um, obviously, it plays a huge role in your life and 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 business. Um, so where's typically Canadian group today and how does some of the lessons uh, that you embodied in, in this group fit into your mission uh, at HealthWave? Typically Canadian group nowadays is actually, um, there's not a lot of attention going to typically Canadian, but staying focused on uh, community support and, and helping others is, is a big, is an important piece for, for myself and also our, our culture within HealthWave because I think it, it teaches a lot of uh, leadership. It teaches a lot of humbleness, which I, I do think is an important trait for, for anyone to have that is going through building a company when you, when you look at the ups and downs and everything you're going to go through. Um, so typically Canadian group, there's not much going on there, but we are still involved in a lot of other important things that are near and dear to my heart. So we actually, um, a little while back, one of my uh, best friends was, was murdered in, in Sarnia. And she was just an amazing, amazing woman, a teacher. And she was the kind of teacher that, you know, when she'd come to class, she would share her lunch with students that didn't have anything. Or she'd bring an extra, you know, three or four apples just to make sure that the kids that didn't have anything had something. She would buy them their books. She would buy clothes. And so uh, when she passed, I worked with her, her mom and dad and, and, and Brad, actually, as, as always. And we helped create uh, Noelle's Gift. Uh, it's at noellesgift.ca now a registered charity, which we're really proud of. 
and has raised close to half a million dollars in the last you know, three or four years. That's one of the hardest things that I've ever had to go through. But it also, um, when I look at the impact that Noel and Noel's gift has had, it's so inspiring and it's, it's also not surprising because of the kind of woman she was. So that's, that's something, I mean, I've kind of focused my attention from typically Canadian to, to trying to do my best at helping, helping that organization and, and others around uh, the Ottawa community as well. Incredible, man. Really appreciate having you on the show to share your stories and insights and, and just the, the honesty and the passion behind it. Um, you know, I, we, we both Tyler and I know you guys are going to do awesome things. And uh, again, thanks so much for being on the show and, and sharing that with us. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Well, that's about it for this episode of Hack to Start. You can find all the important links beneath the show. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Hack to Start and sign up for our newsletter to know about all the latest episodes, behind the scenes content and more. Thanks for listening and see you next time.